0: You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Jason Daniels, Tony Groves, and first-time guest David Flowers. Hey, guys. Good evening. How's it going? Alright. So welcome, uh, let's talk to David, newcomer David Flowers. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast tonight. Let's uh, get to know you a little bit with a few questions. Uh, when did you get your start on iRacing and how did you hear about it?
1: Um, actually, I started iRacing back in 2011. It was a simulator I saw that just looked kind of interesting, so I hopped on and did did it for i don't know about till halfway till 2012 and then stopped it you know due to budget and then picked it up about a i don't know a month ago pretty much and now i'm back at it
0: absolutely so uh how often are you racing since you started back up and uh what series uh are you normally racing or running
1: um i try to run most nights because that i'm able to at the moment Uh. I run a little bit of everything trying to find what I like. Um, I got my B license just recently for both road and oval. So I'm going to try the EMSA series for road and then NIS and trucks for oval.
0: Yep. And we certainly uh, join. You know, welcome you to Tifosi Racing. Thanks for joining here with us and uh, look forward to helping you with that oval stuff. Uh, let's talk about your hardware. What uh you know, type of wheel do you have? Pedals, uh, how many monitors, that kind of thing. I I've, I've
1: got nothing fancy. I've just got a G twenty nine and one monitor.
0: Yeah, and uh you were telling me uh you're adding to your setup though. You just bought a brand new component. Tell us about it.
1: Oh, I just I just happened to buy uh a new chair. It's not even here yet. It won't be toward the end of the week. It's just one of those uh racing chairs that it's it's an office chair but it it has like the bucket seat attached to it so you're not straight up so it'll hopefully help
0: my back <laughs> yeah it's a nice uh chair actually you know it's got the racing look to it right yeah
1: it's blue and black as well
0: nice well, you know, you everyone forgets, you know, a chair is just as important as the computer or the monitor or the wheel. I mean, if you don't have a chair now, and, and tell us, okay, so you're going to, you bought a new chair. Tell us why, because you literally didn't have a chair for your rig uh, because someone was moving out of your house.
1: Yeah, I was actually using my buddy's old office chair and just, it, it was just killing my back. I mean, I. I did my first NIS race after at Michigan, and afterwards I'm just like, I gotta go take some Advil. My back is killing me.
0: Right. All right. Cool. Um, and do you participate in any leagues yet, or anything like that? I know you just recently restarted.
1: Um, I'm actually kind of part of one league. I haven't been able to do it uh, that much, but it's um. The Sim Ables League. It's uh, actually a good group of guys that all have disabilities in one way or another that race on Saturdays at 3:30, and every week they change it up. Like one week it was GTEs at Road America. I think last week was NIS Car or uh, the A Car at Dover, and then I think this week was I want to stay the street the street stock on dirt. But I haven't been able to make it to a lot of those just because of the scheduling conflicts. But they're a real good group of guys.
0: All right. I haven't heard of that. Uh, sounds Sounds like a good time, too, Saturday afternoons. Uh, how about, what are you running with, uh, obviously, TeamSpeak, but what else are you running third-party software?
1: Um, third-party software, I mainly just run the vrs logger I, I played a little bit with um i speed um i've looked at i think it's called like i analytics which is a subscription-based service where you pay i think it's like two or three bucks a month and i mean you can get a two-year subscription for like I think $70 and it, and it looks real interesting. It, it really can help with setups and tracking everything. And you have access to everybody else's times so that post time. So you can really learn a lot there. Um, I'm liking the virtual racing school. That's what VRS is. That's something I racing has developed. Um, I'm only using the free component, which gives you four hours a week to study the data packs. So like, like I didn't know, uh, what was it? Um, What was a road course? Um, Basically, in any of the series, especially the road courses, it's very helpful. You can go in and it'll give you the lap of the road course or like, you know, Bristol or, you know, whatever track you happen to be running that week. And it's it's been a really good tool. It's helping me got now I'm not like super fast, but at least I'm somewhat competitive. So I'm not just flying around, not knowing what I'm doing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was just looking at your stats, too. Uh, what's interesting is, like you said, you ran 2011 and now 2017, six-year gap there. So welcome back. Uh, you have one uh, win this year so far. Uh, your overall win percentage on your Oval career is 3%, which is not bad. That's about where I track, actually.
1: I'm, I'm terrible, Mike. I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm like like I said, I'm I'm getting back up to scre- speed. Uh, I was actually fairly competitive for bottom split at Michigan. Um, I got wrecked in one open, one fixed. Um, I believe the second open was the one that I finished 13th in because uh, it it I was just I was pushing real hard in the last lap, got super loose coming out of two, and just lost the back end and. By the time I got spun around and everything, I was 13th. I was the last car on the lead lap, and I, I was disappointed in myself. I've done that a couple of times where I've been opposed for, like, a top 10 finish, and just it just hasn't happened, but I'm I'm getting there. It's it's a learning process.
0: Yeah, and I've had fun running with you uh, this last week or so, and I do, I've done some spotting for you, and uh, that's had mixed results, but... I think it's helping and uh and I it's interesting for sure uh, watching you uh come get it all back together here as you get back in it. Uh let's talk about what's your most memorable i racing moment.
1: Uh so far uh, I've actually had two. Um one goes back to the VRS like I was talking about um when I was working on my B license for road I was running the advanced Mazda cup cuz that's what you need for mandatory race participations, and we were racing at a Venderzoot or Zendervoot, or a, I'm not 100% sure how to say the name anymore, ben but... Bort. That's it. And I watched the VRS, and I started going around it, and, you know, it helped me figure out what gears I needed for each turn, and as I got a lot more comfortable with the track, um, excuse me. Sorry about that. Had to, uh pause the mic for a sec. Um, But as I was running the track and getting more confident, uh, I was in my last race right before I got my B license and me and these three guys, we were fighting for 18th, but you might as well thought we were fighting for first. We were just going at it tooth and nail. We were passing each other clean uh, in the Miatas, giving each other just barely enough room. It, it was a lot of fun. And then on the oval side, um, Michigan was a lot of fun. I was uh I was averaging a lot of top fives in the trucks, which I enjoyed, and then with the NIS series, um I was averaging well, before I got wrecked in the top fifteens, uh I liked Michigan, I had really good pace there and I'm waiting to see what else i Racing throws at us.
0: All right. Well very good. Uh glad to have you on the podcast, David Flowers. Uh let's get into Michigan. Let's start talking NIS results. Uh, let's, I'll tell you about my races, uh, right out of the bat, Wednesday fixed P2 and I almost won it. I mean, I was, I was coming and the caution came out early, but, uh, the race, uh, I got spun out by a blinker actually early on, no damage and basically came back to contend for that win. Uh, there were green flag stops. The caution had come out. Uh, I'd already had stopped. So I stayed out. Ended up P3 uh, after that. So it was a matter of, I got my track position because of a caution, uh, the way it worked out. Uh, It was good strategy. Um, It worked out. I had good timing. It was great luck. Uh, Fought up to second from third. And I was coming on the leader. I was catching him in the corners, and I was, like, literally behind him when the caution came out. So another half lap or lap, and I would have had him. And I, there, I think there were two laps left or something. But uh, P2, I'm really happy for that. Now, Tyler Conroy, who is a teammate with us, he finished P4. He was the guy who actually led the most laps. He was uh, the leader for most of the race. And... uh with like 18 to go, he pitted with a, half the field and basically lost all his track position and and only made it back up to fourth, even though he had the freshest tires. Uh, he just couldn't make it back up there. And so he was beating himself up for uh, for a bad pit call there. I said, I'm staying out. And he, he said, I'm pitting. And we did uh, split strategies, and it almost won me the race, but it certainly cost him his win because he was the fastest car all day. So he, he should have won that, but he ended up with a fourth uh, flowers. You ran with us uh, on that day as well. And you got a P 14.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I, like I said, I thought it might've been a P 13, but I got a P 14. Um, the other races that I ran as far as fixed and open, cause I ran two of each. Um, those were ones that I got, I got wrecked out early and, uh, You know, it was just unfortunate, just, you know, other people that are learning and they don't understand that you actually have to slow down for the turn because this is a simulation. You can't just run in there at 210 miles an hour. And I was just, I was backing off because the guy in front of me was and somebody just completely hit me in the rear end and took me right out.
0: Yeah, strategy, I think at Michigan with tires, it was always four unless it's just been like two or three laps. But you always did four. But at the end, you got to time it right. You can't pit when there's like 20 or less laps. Uh, there's a, a, a invisible line there that when you cross that, you should never pit again. And so that's been the fun recently is to figure out where that line is. Uh, I know Tyler Conroy has tripped over that line a couple times. It's cost him some, some wins. And this was another one for sure. Uh, then open uh, ran 21st i w- i did run as high as 7th i did get spun out on the straightaway with 9 to go um some guy had a run and and he literally ran over me uh, he did apologize later and so that was some solace but um anyway i was running well i had a you know i had a top 10 go- going there a 7th uh you know near the end of the race but it didn't count Uh, Thursday Fixed, I've wrecked out P23. Uh, Jason, uh, you ran that race as well, Thursday Fixed, uh, P19 for you.
2: Yes, and I was really striving to not come on here and talk about a middle-of-the-pack finish and wrecking out, Uh, but instead I uh, had a middle-of-the-pack finish and wrecked out. Uh, I actually was, I'd say, top 10, for most of the race, and it was on the, a restart on lap 81, uh, there was just absolutely nothing that I could done. In my opinion, I started on the inside line, coming out a turn to the guy that was outside. I guess he thought he was clear, and he came down and just clipped me in the rear quarter panel, uh, spun me out, blew the engine. Uh, it was Absolutely, I, I'm still pretty pretty new to this. I'm still a rookie by all intents and purposes, and it was the most comfortable I've been on a track uh, since I started doing this. Uh, I liked that there were multiple lines, and I actually found the line that was a little lower than everyone else was running, and I was gaining a couple tenths a lap uh, through three and four, uh, and that, that was helping me a lot. I was losing it back in one and two, uh, but three and four, I was definitely able to make up room and actually make some passes. And it felt good to go out there and make some passes and not just get passed all the time. Uh, so it was definitely the best I felt. Uh, Bristol will probably be a whole different animal, but uh, I, I'm glad that I'm getting the experience and I'm feeling a little more competitive than I have been.
0: I know that groove you're talking about, it, you just move down like three or five feet, right? It's just a, almost a half groove down
2: yeah there's a little seam where the the banking goes off uh not that far down, but like if you get your left tire down there, maybe your left tire even below the seam, it actually loosens you up, makes it easier to turn, uh, makes it easier to spin out, but I was not losing time. I was definitely gaining time there.
0: yeah, it kind of hooks the car if you put the left there, right yeah
2: you gotta you gotta be real close to the seam but not cross it
0: right. Well, I you know I th- I heard your confidence <clears throat> because you were running top ten for most of that race, you know, right in that area.
1: In in and, all the, sorry, go ahead, Jason.
2: Yeah, it, it was absolutely a different feel. I mean, com- comparing that to any of the other NIS races, that one felt great. And nineteenth is not my best finish; it's not my worst finish, but it's nowhere near my best finish. But I feel that was my best race. I'd rather wreck out on lap 81 and get 19th than wreck out on lap 5 and come back and get 10th because everyone else quit.
0: Right.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, Jason, I, I know how you feel because I actually ran Watkins Glen the week before and I was terrible. So the fact that I got a good amount of confidence running at Michigan and I I was running exactly like you were, you know, mostly top 5, top top 10 for most of that. and. You know minus the one finish but that just that just goes to show how quick you know you're minding your own business and somebody else can take you out
2: it's kind of the the blessing and the curse of nis i like it because of the longer races because of the pit strategies are very relevant because you can find a different line um i don't know if it was dynamic track that helped me find that different line in speed or if it was just a different line that was working for me, whatever it was, it was working for me. I don't care. <laughs> so, but and the races are long enough that that actually pays off in the long run, and that's that's what I love about NIS. It's gonna happen that you get spun. That I mean, it'll happen in NIS. It'll happen in C class. It'll happen on the road, just regular road races. That uh, you can only do all that you can do. Uh, there were probably several wrecks. That's. Uh, a couple months ago i would have gotten caught in i would not have been able to avoid and i was able to avoid this time so i definitely feel the experience kicking in
1: that's awesome uh also just to give you a quick preview jason um i would stay out of bristol i actually ran the early truck race last night that's that's what mike was talking about he spotted me he spotted me for two truck races and after that i'm I'm done with Bristol. I'm not going to risk any more safety rating because you can't, you can't get away from any accidents there.
2: Uh, I'll do it at least once. At first I was afraid of road races and I said I wasn't going to do Watkins Glen. I was Like I can't be scared of the tracks. I'll do it. Whatever happens happens. So I'll do it at least once.
0: Yeah. I'll have a good finish. I think I, I feel confident about it. Uh, also that, that same race Thursday night, teammate Tyler Conroy, he did finish uh, first and won his seventh win of the season. So congrats to Tyler. Uh, I mean, he, he dominated Wednesday, <clears throat> should have won. He won it on fr- uh Thursday. Uh, this kid is good and uh, I'm really happy and proud to have him on the team. Uh, he's been a great teammate and, um, he is killing them boys he is slaying them out there uh our setup was good too i mean and and that didn't that didn't uh that certainly helped him uh we had a good setup from an anonymous donor uh on facebook so uh i'll just leave it at that but uh, hey uh it works and uh he got a cu- he, he got a finish uh to be proud of there with a win uh seventh nis win of the of the season so good job uh friday i finished p17 I don't know what my deal was Friday, uh, but I just couldn't do anything. I was just running 15th to 20th all day, and that's where I finished. And uh, I really didn't feel the speed that I felt earlier in the week when I almost won the race with my uh, second-place finish. So I don't know what happened on Friday. I I, I don't know if it was me or what was different. I don't know, but uh, it was the same set.
1: Yeah, Mike, i got to say, you really do have one of those – you're either on it and you're killing it, or you're just so far off the pace, you don't you don't really have a kind of an in-between from what I've seen.
0: Well, I usually only run good at the restrictor plates. For me to get a P2 at Michigan is a huge step for me, because I'm more of a restrictor plate kind of guy, so... Well, what do you guys think of Michigan? Are we ready for next week? Uh, where are we going? Uh, Bristol, right? Uh,
2: we're at yeah. Bristol this week, and then an off week.
0: Nice. Yeah, we're we're
1: at Bristol this week, and Bristol I'm, as as I've quickly started to learn is a very tough, unforgiving track. Like I like the short track racing, but I just I cannot keep it off the wall. I cannot keep it off other cars, and and I've run two races, and I'm done.
0: Now, Tony, how about you? Did you run at all? I don't think I I saw you in any of those races.
3: No, no. I was uh, was camping with the family. I was on vacation last week, so um, I pretty much took a break. I was hoping to get in on the Sunday night race, but uh, life just got in the way, and I wasn't able to make it. So um, I missed out on that one because I I like Michigan. I have a lot of fun there. Um,
0: But, oh, well, what do you do, right? When you said you went camping, my first thought was... Well, let's set up a rig camping. I'm sure you can have a generator and hook it to your Verizon hotspot or something, right?
2: That's, that's a little extreme there.
0: <laughs> little, yeah. little little much, Mike. Okay, so there was this guy that used to race NIS last year and the year before, and he was a truck driver, across-the-country truck driver in an 18-wheeler, and he had a rig set up in his passenger seat of his of his cockpit, you know, where he drives his truck. And he had a monitor over there and a wheel and everything. And so he'd climb in the passenger seat at night when he'd park that rig and race with us. And he did it over cellular hotspot.
2: That seems like that would add up in price pretty quickly.
0: <laughs> I haven't seen him around lately, but it worked. Uh, and uh, But he did it right there inside of his truck. It was crazy.
1: Well, that I mean, that wouldn't be too, too bad, Jason. I mean, they're... There are tons of, like, especially truck stops and stuff that, that have Wi-Fi.
0: So. That's true. Maybe he did Wi-Fi. He always told us it was over the cell phone. Uh, and the other, the biggest question for him was always, well, you drive a truck all day long, and then you race 500 miles at night in the same truck. You're like crazy, you know. Or You live the life. You live the life. That's right. He's a fan. He's a racer.
3: Uh, up till a couple of months ago, um, I, I was on the road all day too. Now I'm not doing trucker hours or miles, but I'm still putting in a, you know, 10, 11 hour day and yeah, I, I'd still come home and, and, uh, race for a couple hours. It didn't bother me in the least. I mean, if you like to drive, you like to drive,
0: right? Well, Bristol, I mean, we, David, you and I practiced last night. We did some, uh, checked our setups and tried a couple different ones. We found one that you coughed up uh, from the VRS thing. It was pretty good. and uh, But, boy, we were talking about, let's talk about the line there. You have to go so high when you get into the corner, and you have to drive it in there so hard and so deep at such speed just to have a good lap. I mean, uh, it was a struggle, wasn't it?
1: yeah i just i never got comfortable i i was i was half a groove down from the top because every time i'd i'd run the top my car would just get there the truck would just get tight in the center and i'd smack the wall or the rear end would get loose coming off a four and i'd spin through and smack the low wall so i'm just like all right let me run half a groove down and that's what i did and that was working for me because you know when when you were telling me to go, Mike, I'd go, and I actually passed quite a few people doing that. It's just I like I can it it, it seems like I can get around Bristol, I just can't survive Bristol. That's the hard part.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah, so that's a unique uh, line for sure. You got to go high. The other thing you'll experience when we get in NIS here is they're gonna the lap cars. Uh, the lap cars either go to the bottom stay out of the way or if they stay on the top they are really in the way and it's so hard to get around them because you have to go under them and it's almost impossible to pass somebody on the bottom so uh, that's what you're gonna expect this week
1: it doesn't matter where they are top bottom they're in the way regardless and there's nothing you can really do about it i i was starting to pick my way through some lap cars and then there was a, that that spin up above us, I I was battling the two. Like he like he said, he was not giving me an inch. And then when I cleared him, didn't see the wreck up above and completely went into the side of somebody that completely spun sideways. So,
0: Yeah, everything happens so fast. It'll be fun. We'll see how it goes. And then off week, wow, I didn't know that.
2: It's also a pretty long race, 250 laps. I yeah, mean, 100 of them will be under too. caution.
0: Right.
1: Not just that, but, I mean, 250 laps. I mean, Jason, you'll do 10 each lap. I I was averaging 15.2 seconds a lap, and I'm not even fast around Bristol. The fast guys are averaging 14.6, so, you know, a minute 40 for 10 laps. 250 will go by in a heartbeat,
0: man. It'll be a two-and-a-half-hour race. Maybe three. It depends on how many cautions. All right, let's get into uh, other racing outside NIS. Uh, We covered, David, you already talked about your truck races didn't go very well. What about the rest of you? Did you do any league races, road races, dirt races, anything?
2: I did a couple truck races at Michigan. I got an eighth place uh, over the weekend out of 24 drivers, so that's how I finished Michigan. Uh, I thought it was a good end. I made a bad choice with... uh, pit strategy when i should have pitted and a bunch of other people did uh so their fresh tires just ran right by me so
0: yeah i uh i ran some carb cup pickup cup a little bit uh nothing really to speak of boy i mean <clears throat> and then david you were in the carb cup on the we were trying to get in the same split, but it, the it split into two, which was kind of ridiculous. Twelve cars in each split. Let's just have one split, but no. Let's. They, what they do is they split that into two races. But you're in the bottom split, and how ridiculous was it? You were wrecked out, and you were still third.
1: Yeah, it it, it was ridiculous because I mean, like I, I don't have a problem. The Carb Cup has the the quick repair or anything, but like I I went to go. My my, the guys didn't go and I had to break check or I was going to get black flag for passing somebody before the start finish line. And then the guy behind me just made absolutely no attempt to go high or go low. And he just completely ran me in the back, spun me out. And when I got back to pit, I came out and I literally was third, like three laps down. and, And it was just the first place guy. And then the second guy ended up being one lap down and so if if he'd have been more laps down, I might have been in second. It was just that ridiculous of a race
0: <laughs> yeah, that doesn't get much worse than that. well, uh peak is tonight uh i'm not I don't remember where they're running, but I do know they're running tonight, so I might watch that later. It's been fun to watch lately, so uh, check it out. I mean, that's been uh, some good racing. At least check out the highlight uh, videos and stuff when they put those out. Um, But some good racing for sure.
1: What I like about that, too, is when you miss a race, you know, depending on how much you want to watch, I mean, they have all that stuff archived, so it's nice. You can kind of go back and see past races and stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So... All right, uh, Tony, let's go into topics. Uh, What's first? Well, first
3: up, uh, Martin Kroenke went eight races unbeaten after a crucial win by six seconds over VRS. I'm going to butcher this. Uh, We'll call it Kanda, SimSport teammate and hometown hero, Mitchell DeJong. There were surprises, however, during the event as five-time champion Gregor Hutu crashed out
0: of the event in the opening lap after two races away. Wow. So Hutu's back, and uh, not really after wrecking out all by himself.
1: I actually watched that race. Yeah? Yeah, I, I saw the wreck and everything. He just he he was a victim, unfortunately, of just bad timing. So somebody just did not get a good start, and he tried to not run them over, and he got run over in the process.
0: Wow.
2: I saw lower in that article, they were talking about the person that wrecked him may actually get a post-race penalty. Uh, so, that doesn't do anything for his finish, but there may be some penalties coming out of that wreck.
0: Interesting. Well, uh, I guess it's no surprise that Martin Kronke, uh won again, though. I mean, the guy's unbeatable this year.
2: The torch has definitely been passed.
0: Yeah, exactly. And Mitchell DeJong, he's no slouch. He's the guy from, he's the kid from California that runs uh, Global Rallycross, and he does all kinds of stuff.
1: He held off Kroenke, actually, Mike, for a good, I think it was like ten laps and he just he just had the slightest slip up and Kronke pounced on him and then he just couldn't get back by him after that.
0: Yeah, I'm a huge fan of DeJong. I think uh yeah it's nice to see him at least giving Kronke a run. It sounds like he was being competitive with him.
2: It seems like especially at that level it comes down to who makes who makes the mistake last. And Kronke does not make the mistake last and he doesn't always make the mistake first either. So he, he's just been so consistent and so flawless this season.
1: He he's also just able, it seems like to put that car just where other people can't put it. It just it's insane.
0: Yep. Yeah. Well, we'll see how he does. Uh I think wasn't that the final event or I don't remember? I don't follow it too closely. Let's get into the next topic. Uh got a forum post. Brenton Parker asked if official series should have minimum I ratings or minimum late lap time requirements. Extremely slow racers can be hazardous to the field. So, so I... what do you think of this? I
2: uh I read through this form a lot and kind of cut, kept a watch of it. It got up to, uh, to five pages, uh, throughout the week. Uh, I personally don't think it's something that I racing should do anything about. I mean, if you want to have lap, re- lap time restrictions in a league, uh, by all means, you can do that. Uh, but my money is just as green as anyone else's money. And I'm also not the fastest, uh, I try to be like uh, originally saying say like a hundred for 105% or 107% of the pole. I mean, I try to be within that. And I guess on road races, if, when you're talking about a minute and a half lap, nine seconds is actually a, a big gap to be within uh, as far as that would be 110% of a 90 second lap. So, I don't think iRacing, though, as a service should do anything about it. I think if the community and leagues want to do something about it, uh, they can. uh, But it would just be too restricted. And then where would it force those drivers to go? I mean, by all means, if I, as a D-Class racer, want to buy a GTE car and mess around with it on test tracks, obviously I can't do a race because I don't have the license. But I should be able to.
0: I don't get it. I mean, that's why we have SR. I mean, SR is licensing. Licensing is what restricts what you can run, okay? I, I agree that I-rating should not restrict which series you can run. Only your license should. Um, it should be open to everybody. Like you said, everybody's money is green. And it drives participation. Why would we want to restrict people's that had a low I-rating from running the series? We want participation, you know? Um, the more people that we get, the more likely you're going to run people that are more in your caliber.
1: I I agree with that, Mike. Like I am by no means fast, and you know, in the past month alone, I've gone from a D to a B license, and I've I've worked hard at it. I've I've put my time in, but you know, on those tracks, I'm not I'm not racing for the most part. I'm I'm getting a feel for that track, and I'm starting dead last, and you know, I'm usually ending up a lap down, which isn't a problem, but I also know how to drive to get out of the leader's way. So, yes, yeah, safety rating does does restrict that. um, And not necessarily have a minimum lap time either, or I rating, because like right now, uh, since I've started the past month, my I rating has just absolutely tanked. I had... Uh, The stock, I think it's twelve hundred I rating or everything, and I I think it is. Is is it twelve or fifteen hundred when you start? I forget.
2: I think it's somewhere in between that.
1: Yeah, but just in just in the past month, my I rating has tanked from that. To 600 and i'm slowly building it back up again as i get faster at tracks as i hone my race craft you know i'm i'm like i said earlier with that miata race you know i i started the week with learning the vrs and not being fast at all i was uh 12 seconds slower than like the f- the fastest times i was seeing and then I got within like six seconds of the fastest time, so I'm still not fast there by any means. But I was racing guys competitively, and I was having fun doing it, even though it was for 18th. Right. All
3: right. And, Doug. I was just gonna say, and to, to kind of go along with you guys, and you know, I'll quote somebody from the forums. They said the only real solution is increased participation, and I. I'm a full believer of that. I mean, the more people you have, um, the closer to your caliber of racing it's it's gonna be, and um, it's just gonna, you know, it'll 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 work out if you could get the participation up in that series.
0: Right.
1: Well, al- along with that too, that's also kind of the problem with iRacing. iRacing has all these different series. And you really only have one or two that are fully run, like um like with the carburetor cup, Mike, we we could've easily had a field of thirty seven and it's split it into two seventeen or eighteen or whatever splits, like uh, from what I saw on the forums, IMSA used to be a dead series, and the only reason it's as popular as it is now is because they added the GTE cars a couple months ago. So, I mean, iRacing actually has a lot of dead series on its hands. So, yeah, we, you know, they don't, they shouldn't be restricting. If anything, they should be increasing participation more.
0: Yeah, I don't think this guy gets it, but uh, yeah. So anyway, let's uh, move on to the next topic. Tony, what do you got?
3: patrick taylor um fan favorite and valuable admin member of the lionheart racing series has died uh, died on tuesday his his death was unexpected result of an unpredictable medical event over the weekend at his home in kamloops
0: british columbia canada uh come from his family yeah a younger a young guy i wouldn't uh, not younger but a young guy not an old guy and uh Obviously, very popular on the service. I actually don't know of him much, but uh, iRacing actually put up a feature article on their website at iRacing.com about this.
3: Yeah, and it's a it's it's a really nice article. Um, I like to just quote from here to give a little maybe a little background. But uh, for two years, Taylor was a fixture in Lionheart, running in the IndyCar Retro and Challenge Series, a member of Dragonfly Racing. Taylor quickly rose to become one of the most popular members in league history.
0: Yeah. And, uh, so he's part of the IndyCar community here in iRacing. looks like he won the Dan Weldon driver of the year award. it uh, obviously will be missed by many, you know, there was a forum post as well, uh, about this and, uh, our condolences to his family. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's terrible to to hear about
3: stuff like this, but unfortunately, these things happen. But it's this article is uh, it's it's a really nice, really nice article, and I encourage anybody listening to to go
0: have have a read. All right, uh, moving on. Next uh, topic here. Uh, our good friend over John Hammer uh, put out a public announcement about Bristol. Uh, a open is actually in the afternoon, and the NIS rate is act, NIS is actually at night. Uh, so, if you're running both A open and NIS, you might need two different setups.
2: They did end up fixing this. Robert Mitchell posted yesterday that they changed both to night, so it was that way for a couple of days. But the A open is now showing as night as well as the NIS
0: good. I'm glad they're able to get that corrected in time. All right, uh, what do you got next?
3: Uh, Next up, another uh, post on the forum. They're talking about getting around 100 protests per day. That
0: sounds like an awful lot, but maybe not with the amount of members and stuff. I was kind of surprised. I saw that little tidbit about a hundred protests a day is what the number is. I didn't think it was that high. I was thinking maybe a couple dozen, but a hundred? Wow! I, I didn't. I had no idea.
1: I don't know. That seems kind of right because, like, the, all the series that I've been in coming up, like especially with the trucks, I I don't know what it is, but like there was there was one race that it seemed like five protests develop out of that one race. Just people get get hot. And you know, I understand people make mistakes that, that's that's why when I spin out, I'm the first one to apologize and be like, you know my bad, I'm sorry and and I, I've had no problems with anybody, but there are some people that are just like, "Oh yeah, buddy, you're you're getting protested. Keep talking and I'm just I just kind of stay off the mic for
0: those. We saw one during the truck race last night where the guy under caution, took this guy out like totally, and the guy threatened him verbally to protest, huh.
1: Yeah, that's that's right, and I mean there there was no reason for it. Um, and even after that, he was still like wrecking people through the field. It looked like intentionally, and you know that's that's unfortunate, especially for the people that pay. You know, I know everybody's money's green and everybody's entitled to this, but like guys like that, just in my humble opinion, have no no reason to be in I racing because they're not trying to race clean. They're just trying to be a nuisance.
0: So this. This tidbit came from a mega thread, 11 pages. Uh, Dusty Rhodes has started a conversation about how to clean up the racing initiative. And he's trying to spearhead this effort to send a list of suggestions to iRacing to find a solution to clean up the racing uh, that we're seeing on in the ovals. And uh, it's quite a topic. Uh, everyone has their own ideas. i kind of been watching this thread uh Tyler Hudson's been putting in a lot of comments, of what, as well as John Hammer and Dusty Rhodes and several others. Uh, but, boy, if you want something to read, that's a whole novel of stuff. Uh, there are so many opinions on how to fix that. Uh, I don't think there is any kind of consensus at all.
1: Well, I, I feel personally like the real only real way you're going to combat that is to just learn your wheel and just learn the vehicle you're in. Like, like a buddy of mine, um, he really wants me to start running the Porsche GT cup in, uh, on the roadside because he's like, I know you want to jump into EMSA. I, I, I know the GTE car's fun. He's like, but I need you to learn how to drive a car. And, and he's right. Like I can trail break and all, but I, you know, for the most part, I don't know what I'm doing. And if I go and hop in the Ferrari GTE, um, I'm I'm just gonna be have downforce to carry me through, which works. But if I don't have those finer techniques, I'm not gonna be as a quality racer. So I'm gonna try and spend next season and maybe even the season after that in the in the the Porsche GTE 911 because that it, it it has low downforce, it has no um, ABS. I mean I I have to manhandle the car and it's very easy to spin it out and it's I I was doing about. 15 test laps at spa earlier this morning and uh i i started getting comfortable with the car and it's i i really think it's going to hone my
0: road racing craft all right uh, next topic uh nascar announces the 2018 chevrolet cup car it's the camaro uh do you guys see this it looks uh, pretty nice i kind of like the look of it really slick Uh, yeah the front end is definitely identifiable as a camaro
3: yeah this is um this is one of the the cooler cars they've they've put out here it'll be really neat to see that next year going down um i know there was uh they're talking about in the in the forums anyhow about you know hey maybe uh maybe they can
0: bring the mustang up into the cup series I'd, i'd really like to see that too so, how long will it be before we get a scan of this, uh, and will it be free or do we have to buy it?
2: This one we'll probably have to buy. I don't think this is a like just a adjustment for aero. This is a whole completely new new vehicle.
1: Yeah, my my money's
0: on buy. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, so I wonder how long it'll take too. So it just went public this last week, so uh, pro- I would say six months at the earliest, that would be February, right for Daytona 500, maybe we can get it in time for the 500. Well,
3: that'd be really cool, and you know, hey, maybe if uh, if you already have the Chevrolet car, maybe you get like a, a 50% discount.
0: discount, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, I'm going to pick up this next topic. I put this one in. This is a a Facebook discussion I had with uh, some individuals on one of the Facebook pages about iRacing. It was a discussion about FOV, uh, which is one of my favorite things to talk about. And we, we got into this, you know, word game. Is it a preference, a driver preference, or is it a setting? And my take on it was, I believe it's a setting, and you either have it correct or you have it incorrect. And there's really no no other way. It's either correct or not. And uh, this guy was saying, no, 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 this is driver preference. You know, everybody can just move it wherever they feel like it should be, you know. And so, uh, yeah, I don't think there's a, a final conclusion there. Uh, but I did find some uh, neat quotes on one of my favorite red, uh, websites called Ed Racing. That's edracing.com. Check it out if you want help with FOV. They have a great page about it with tons of information. Uh, And some of these uh, quotes I'm going to read off of this webpage. On three monitors, using the correct FOV should provide a one-to-one representation, allowing better car placement. Incorrect FOV setting will distort your view and perspective. Ideally, you would hit 179 degrees of horizontal FOV, ideally, that is the max we support in the SIM. But that is basically impossible to do without going to triple monitors. So triple monitors are the way to go for this particular SIM. If you hit 179 degrees of FOV, you're doing as much as the SIM allows, that's the max. So. If you try to, you know, zoom out so you can see the dash, if you have triples, your FOV number goes down, and you're not seeing what the designer of the simulator intended.
1: Um, uh, About that, Mike, does iRacing calculate, like, like I said, I'm on a single monitor, so does iRacing, like, calculate for, like, that to begin with, and then you can adjust it from there. Because for what it started me with, I'm I'm doing okay.
0: Yes, it does. So if you go in and, in the graphics and sim, and you put in the distance from your eyeball to the center monitor, and you put over on the left side, you you have a single monitor, not triples. It will automatically calculate your FOV for you and set it for you. Now, if you go and change it, it'll change, but. If you just go with what iRacing sets up, if you put those numbers in and they're correct, and you put in the width of your monitor and all that, then you're going to get the correct FOV, where you'll have a one-to-one representation uh, allowing better car placement. Because if you pull out, if you zoom out so you can see the dash, it's like looking through a a fish hole or a fish eye. You know that when you look through... uh, Somebody rings on your door on your door and you go look through the peephole, you know how it looks? That's kind of the the sensation you get when you don't have the right FOV. Gotcha. All right, Tony,
3: what's next? Two thousand seventeen, five hundred kilometers of Road America coming August eighteen. Um I know there's a lot of questions on the forums about whether it's going to be a solo or a team event, and it looks like you get both. You can do it solo or with a buddy.
0: Oh, that sounds pretty fun. Yep. Coming soon this weekend, so
1: it's it's about a four hour race.
0: So Time-wise. it's considered a special event. They're adding it to the special event list just like the 24 Hour of Le Mans, the Daytona 24, uh, the Indy 500, all those are special events. This is now on the list as one of them. So check it out. I'll be at work, uh, so I'll be missing that. Next topic, uh, Jonathan Cattle put up a a video on YouTube that hit the forums and uh, he called it, You Never Know When Big Brother Is Watching. And it's basically his racing stream of his uh, C uh, truck race at Michigan. And uh, some guy is like mouthing off in the chat. And all of a sudden, Nim Cross starts typing in the text chat. And it says, Nim Cross Jr. And it says something about... Uh, please read the sporting code and he actually disabled the entire chat for the session so nobody could talk uh, for a few moments and then he re-enabled it
2: the foot is down the foot is down
0: (laughs) so don't be surprised if iRacing staff actually are monitoring the official race that you're in it's certainly possible and you should drive accordingly you should drive as if Nim Cross is watching now certainly they don't watch every race but they do take time and spot check some of these races they do and this proves it so again, he is the admin out there yeah
1: I'm just saying like again it just goes back to what I said learn your equipment Learn the car that you're running as best you can and learn the trackies best you can. And, you know, everybody knows we're going to get into accidents. We're human. And this is racing. It it, it happens. But, you know,
3: just do the best that you can.
0: All right, Tony, what's next?
3: Well, SimCraft... Lab is busy today. Andy Lally practicing and testing for this weekend's NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Mid-Ohio and the introduction of the Apex Mini to the world. 70% scale.
0: um, Oh, lack of words here. Mike, help me out. (laughs) Well, it's basically a video from SimCraft on Facebook, on their Facebook page, and they have a miniature... Well they got a motion cockpit. They're their, you know, signature motion cockpit, but they've created a miniature one for this uh person that's of shorter stature. Uh but basically it looks like a child's cockpit. Uh it's motion, he's got triples, everything. Uh it it's pretty cute. Yeah, that's um
3: I was just checking out the video right now and uh <laughs> that's really cool. That looks like a ton of fun. Those motion cockpits are so cool, especially with the triples. I mean, that's just that's just
0: insane. Look at the, the big-sized cockpit at the beginning of the video. Look at the FOV he's got on that. Look at the angle on those screens. I mean, he's got that thing surrounding his head completely. And then the way it moves, what's cool about this motion cockpit is... The monitors move with the cockpit. they're not stationary. The whole thing moves yeah the the one thing that really
3: drew my attention in this is on, on the on the smaller uh simulator um if you're watching it move around, those monitors are just a wave and they look like they're just almost
0: bending like wings in the air right <laughs> yeah
3: oh wow
1: i'm I'm watching it now jeez that that make me sick. That that probably would. That would probably make me sick. I, I, I have a hard enough time sometimes staying on the track as it is. That would probably just make me sick.
0: <laughs> Pretty nice uh, video if you're interested in motion cockpits. All right, next topic. AMD, the video graphics card manufacturer, finally completes its long and winding journey with its brand new Radeon RX Vega, or Vega series, V-E-G-A. This architecture made its debut with the prosumer segment uh, earlier this year. So, uh, it's been about two years since AMD has launched a, a high-end graphics unit, uh, but now they're, they've announced what the, they call the Radeon Vega 64 and the 56. And I'm still trying to figure out what the differences are between the two of them. I've read through this article once and I didn't quite understand it, but um, here's a quote here. We put the RX Vega 64 through our vast and modern test bench and have it compete against the key NVIDIA SKUs such as the 1070, 1080, and the 1080 Ti at resolutions as high as 4K Ultra HD. So, pretty cool. Uh the Radeon RX uh, RX Vega 64 will be 499 for the cost. The limited di- edition card, which features a different fan shroud but identical performance is available for 599. Uh AMD's top-end liquid-cooled model is priced at a staggering 699.
2: Looks like it uh for the most part comes in line with the the ten seventy and ten eighty, both in performance and in price. So they're just making their return to the market, but man, they're way behind. The ten eighties have been out for a while. They got some catching up to do.
0: I, I'm glad that they got something out. I am an AMD guy. I mean I mean I have a seventy nine seventy in my unit. It's four years old. Um but if I, and I've been happy with it, so I would probably stick with AMD. And I'm glad that they finally got something out that's comparable uh, to the, to what you just said, the 1080, 1080 Ti, because NVIDIA has really just cornered the market in the last, what, two years, right? I mean, you, if you bought a video card in the last two years, you bought an NVIDIA uh, video card, pretty much.
2: Yeah, there, there was no reason not to. Their their prices, what you were getting for the price was far superior on the NVIDIA since AMD hadn't come out with an equivalent. So their older cards were still the higher prices.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'd be interested in this 56 at four, uh, 399 That seems like a good... I mean, it's not an entry-level card by no means. It's comparable to the 1080. Uh, why not? You know,
1: uh, like me, I have a 970 in mine. Um, and it's it's been no problem at all. It, it, I run iRacing with uh, like TeamSpeak and some other programs in my tray on it. I think 84 frames a second, which is not bad.
0: Yep. Okay, Tony. What's next? Well, we got another poll. Um.
3: And it's, uh, you know, what are you driving, VR or triples? And, uh, well, VR is taking over, according to the according to everybody here. Um, triple screens are uh, a very close second. Uh, VR is running at 49%, and triple screens are at 41%. And um, just a very small few of us, apparently, 11%, are still running single screen, so... I guess I need to be uh, a good boy this year and hopefully get a couple more screens for
0: Christmas. Nice. I I can't imagine this is realistic, though, these numbers.
2: Yeah, 350 votes is a kind of small sample size, and it was really surprising to see so few single screens. I mean, I I consider myself single screen. I have a second monitor for, like, iSpeed and stuff. I don't have triples in the sense of uh, a full FOV. I just use one widescreen monitor for for racing.
0: I would bet, big money, that the majority of iRacing users are on single screens. The majority, big time. Yeah, I would imagine that as well.
3: Um, (laughs) But uh, I do know... like. You're seeing it all more and more with the VR. And, you know, I'm sure, I don't know about right now, but within a few years, that's, that's definitely just going to be the way to go. Like, that's the way you got to have it.
0: I'm doing. Sorry, go ahead, Mike. Well, I was just going to say, I think the next step is when Oculus uh, updates the Rift. You know, when they put out a new version of the Rift that's got better resolution, cheaper price, that's really when it's going to take off.
1: I was just saying I'm I'm doing research to to get a new monitor and I found one I really like for like a hundred and fifty bucks you know nothing nothing super expensive I mean you know again when it comes to monitors you can put down as much money as you want I mean there's a twenty seven inch gaming monitor out there by Asus I believe and it's seven hundred bucks a piece so the fact that I can get you know three triples for five hundred and fifty bucks you know that ain't too bad, but I'm I'm definitely going to upgrade just to one see how I like it, see if I can put it on a triple mount monitor and go from there.
0: I got my three twenty sevens for 750 for three of them. So, newegg.com's where I ordered those.
1: I actually have been finding better prices on Amazon.
0: All right, next topic, uh, Steve Cunningham posted to the forums, what pedals should he buy? Uh, he was looking between the Re- Rikmotex or the HPP simulations, uh, getting lots of opinions on this post. Uh, some other people uh, indicated, check out the Proto SimTech PT2 pedals. Uh, we've talked about those on the podcast before as well. Um, other people, you, you know, check out the uh, HE pedals. So what do you guys think? If you're buying pedals right now, uh, what would you be looking at?
2: It's hard for me to say since if I'm making a hardware purchase, it's going to be wheel and pedals. Um, but I think the market is actually really good for pedals in general right now. It, it seems that it's there's a lot of people that like the brand that they use, and there, you don't see too many complaints about the other brands. I mean, you see good things about HPP. You see good things about Fanatec. You see good things about the Thrust, Thrustmaster Reekmotex. Uh, it, it's hard to find negative, and they're all pretty close in price range. Uh, I think the market is great if you're looking to, to spend that on, on pedals right now. Not for me personally, since I want a wheel, but uh just pedals it it seems to be a really good market
0: yeah i mean there's some niche markets here going on for sure what you mentioned is the combos you know where you get the pedal and the wheel uh this guy is looking at a niche market right above that where you okay i want hydraulics basically you know and and that kind of thing where you buy a standalone pedal set but uh yeah i mean you can go crazy with pedals uh so Lots of good options out there. I just thought we'd talk about them a little bit. Uh, Tony, what's next? Um,
3: that was another post uh, regarding a market and possibility of D-Box-like system for less. Um, what I got out of it was, I guess you can get them now, but they're about $12,000. Um, it's pretty high, but they say it uh, it might be coming soon i a at a
0: more reasonable price yeah there's a video here now just so everybody knows i mean this is a podcast so i'm going to describe verbally what i'm seeing here in this video a d-box system is basically where you have your rig on four pedestals and these pedestals have hydraulic shock kind of things in them that move the rig Okay, up and down. So between the four corners, they're all hooked to the computer, and the hydraulics move the thing up and down, and you have a motion rig that way. And so uh, D-Box is a popular item. You can get those to go with the R-Seat, and it's quite expensive. But uh, this guy posted up a a website called motiongear.net, and he said that they've reached a, a distributor agreement with the original company who is putting out these alternatives to the D-Box 4. And uh, these alternatives, if you click on the website to learn more information about it, it actually takes you to a South Korean website that's actually in South Korean. Uh, And it's very interesting, uh, some of the stuff that they have, uh, uh, some of their videos and pictures of their motion rigs. Uh, It's really some cool products. So I don't know if anyone's interested in buying a rig from South Korea, but uh, it certainly looks pretty cool. Um, But boy, I mean, can you imagine spending that much money on a motion rig? And and then which one do you get? Do you get the sim experience? Do you get something like this with the D-Box or some kind of alternative? I mean, there's lots of options out there. Oh, it'd be
3: so nice to have the money Just say, okay, I'm getting a motion rig. I want it now. I'd
0: love that. Right. All right. uh, Next up, Scott Speed, former F1 driver, driver, former NASCAR Cup driver, current global rallycross driver. Uh, is testing the iRacing beta and posted up a video of him uh, trying it out on his triples. Uh, the Rally Rallycross uh, for iRacing that's going to be coming out. And obviously they got a beta version people are testing and uh, Scott is part of that. So pretty cool to see it on screen. And there, he even took a little jump you know, over the little uh, ridge and got a little bit of air, air time there. Pretty cool. All right, Tony, what else you got? Well, we got a Twitter post
3: from Landon Castle, and this one was uh, kind of neat. He says, you never know where a racer can get a start. Check out this YouTube comment from an iRacing event I hosted six years ago, and it just happens to be a comment from William Byron. Um, it says, uh, dude, how do you get so much grip? My best qualifying lap is 29.1, and my race setup runs 29.5 at best. Can you help me improve? Well, I think somebody helped Mister
0: William Byron improve.
2: <laughs> Just landed yeah. a NASCAR ride.
0: Yep, brand new uh, Cup driver for the five car for 2018.
1: I was going to say, isn't he uh, Xfinity driver right now?
0: Yep. Yeah, he's and He got the. He's getting Casey Cane's ride. I heard
3: uh, Hendrick talking about him not all that long ago saying, um, uh, you know, he was hoping to bring him up, not yet, but in a, in another year or two. So I guess he's showing something that, that they like or they're just bullshitting all of us. That very well could be too, but uh should be pretty exciting to see uh, what he can do.
0: I'm, I'm pretty sure it's about the money. It's about the sponsor. I mean, Casey Kane lost his sponsors and uh, and – this kid has one with Liberty University, and they're ready to go cup racing and spend the money. So that's what's happening. It, it The only reason he's been moved up is because his sponsor's ready to move up. Okay, well, that makes sense. I never actually thought of that. It probably should have been the first thing in my mind. Yeah, follow the money, right? <laughs> All right, uh, continue on with our thread of real racers in the iRacing world, Clint Boyer uh reminded us on instagram hey my dirt car he said a little eye candy from last night and uh it showed his uh dirt late model out there uh sporting the the eye racing colors uh boy i love that that paint job
2: with peak up there closer to the front too so peak and iRacing still uh partnering
0: yeah they're trading off uh this is the white version of the car. It's got iRacing on the front. You can kind of see the front of it, the hood. And uh, it's definitely in on the quarter panels as well, so very prominent. Okay, what's
3: next? Well, Mike, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you take this one here. This is, this is your
0: guy. This is my guy, Ty Majewski. We talk about him every week. Guess what? He's won again. He said he broke out of his four-race slump last night, ready to get us another one tomorrow night in the iRacing Ford. So, uh, once again, this kid is the real deal. Um, I can't believe how good he's running.
2: It's just a matter of time before they get him moved up. I guess he doesn't have the money that uh, Mr. Byron has, but uh, it's just a matter of time.
0: Yeah, I sure hope John Henry uh, keeps funding this kid and getting a ride in his team. All right, with that being said, let's jump into final thoughts. Uh, Tony Groves, lead us off, please. Well, um, I'm a little bummed out hearing that we're going to be having a break between
3: Bristol and Darlington since I have neither one of those tracks, so that means I'm going to be three weeks without doing any NIS racing. So... Um,
0: I guess I'll be practicing some dirt. That that sounds like fun. Yeah, if you're not gonna buy the track, you can still run. Run what you got. All right, uh David Flowers, thanks for coming on. Uh what's your final thoughts?
1: Uh just gonna be honing my racecraft and, you know, whatever series I try and you know, I'll try to be on here when I can. Uh I'm starting college here in the next like week, so if I can get on here, I will, and if I can't, uh, you know, I'll be around.
0: Yeah, welcome to the team. We're happy to have you. Uh, Jason Daniels, final thoughts.
2: You only have to hear this two more weeks, I promise. But if you're looking for something to do on your off week from NIS, come join us Saturday, August 26th for the Fight Like a Girl 200. Uh, Is a $20 entry. Uh, this is a charity race to benefit iRacer Brad Miller and his wife. His wife was diagnosed with breast cancer, uh, being at Homestead, Miami in the afternoon. Uh, that is a 7 o'clock Eastern time race start with qualifying at 6.50 Eastern. Um, race Spot is broadcasting all the prizes and uh All the prizes and the broadcasting have been donated, so every bit of proceeds are going straight to Brad and Melissa. Uh, Myself and Justin Laird are signed up to participate. Last time I looked, there's about 20 spots left in the race. Uh, If you're not able to race, uh, you can still donate. If you just search the forums for Fight Like a Girl, uh, you'll see a post from uh, Doug, I believe it's Doug Miller. but he is putting this together with Turn 3 Motorsports, and it's going to be my first foray into an open setup. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm preparing to get my practice in.
0: Yep, and uh, recently announced Turn 3 Motorsports, who's uh, leading the effort here, that uh, in addition to the $100 iRacing gift card, the winner of the event will also receive a hot pass to a NASCAR Xfinity Series race of their choosing. The price is compliments of Ray Black Jr. and the 07 team. They've decided to give Brad and Melissa Miller hot passes to the Xfinity race at Bristol. A special thanks goes out to Taylor Burris and the 07 tire changer handler, Francis Pelletor, for helping make this happen. It is truly heartwarming to see the racing community come together during a time of need. So that's pretty cool. Man, you can't buy a hot hot pass, folks.
2: And it gives you really good access.
0: And so Brad, uh, very envious, is going to be getting hot passes as well with his wife. Uh, That's an unbelievable experience. I've had that experience for two years uh, at NASCAR at Phoenix uh, with hot passes and Nothing beats that. You can be in the garage during practice, you can be down on pit road, you can be anywhere, but literally the driver's motorhome lot, that's the only place they won't let you go. So check it out, get involved. Uh, I'm gonna miss the start of this or I'd be all over it. Um, I'm hoping to at least get in and watch or perhaps spot for Jason. Uh, So I'll be involved one way or another Uh, Thanks for the final thoughts. My final thoughts, uh, boy, I can't believe I almost won at a non-restrictor track. But I did it this week. I finished second. I was within inches of that leader, and I was faster than him. And, boy, that is such an awesome feeling to finally get to a point where I'm running NIS, and I'm running for the win, and it's not a restrictor plate. That is so new for me. And so it was a huge moment. And I'm uh, really proud of that. I wish the wind would have came through. Uh, but it didn't. Um, so I'll just keep trying. Bristol's next. I've always had f- good finishes at Bristol. So we'll see how it goes. So, And with that, uh, make sure to hit us up on Google Play, SoundCloud, iTunes, Facebook, or Twitter at iRacers Lounge, and with that, we'll see you later. Take it easy. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.